welcome and thank you for joining this week's podcast with the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams. One of the heaviest burdens facing the believer is the battle of weariness. This week's powerful sermon, the Archbishop equips us with strategies to overcome every demonic scheme of weariness. The message has strategic burden-lifting prayers to break you loose and set you free for a life of victory. Discover deeper levels of prayer at this year's Global Prayer Summit on the 13th to the 16th of July in Maryland. Register now at ndwministries.org. Know today that this is God's word of deliverance for you. Be empowered as you listen. Today I want to talk to you about the battle of weariness. The battle of weariness. It's one of the strongest weapons that the enemy deploys against the believer. At the point of your breakthrough, he comes at you with everything he has. And the main reason and purpose of that is to get you to quit. Get you to give in to his demands. There's a difference between giving up and giving in. When you give in, you've given in to the enemy's demands. He makes demands on you and I. He has expectations to get us to give in to his demands and his claims so that what he wants and requires or expects of us happens. But through understanding and revelation and illumination and knowledge, we can escape. We can escape the trap of the enemy. We can escape the snares of the fowler. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Weariness is when you faint. It's when you tie. I've seen so many people, even among my pastors and my bishop, that get weary. Every now and then they get weary. And, and they don't know they are weary. And they just come and say, Papa, I'm tired. I'm quitting. I can't handle it anymore. And it's just at the point of a major turnaround and breakthrough. And most times, immediately after that kind of a decision, when I discourage them, I say, you can't do that. You can't quit. You've come too far. You got to stand your ground. And it's just a matter of few days and weeks and something turns around. And it always happens at the point, at the point of harvest. You work so hard, you sow for the harvest. And as harvest time, you get tired. You get weary like a woman when she takes in seed. She goes through so much for 40 weeks, for nine months, that at the point of labor, she lacks strength and the energy to give birth to that which she has carried for nine months. Her mind, her emotions, her body, everything about her is tired. And yet she has to push. Yet at that moment, she requires all the strength and the energy she doesn't have to deliver that child. At that point of delivery, she needs every strength, every audacity and courage to download and to deliver the life inside of her. Ladies and gentlemen, may I submit to you that whenever you feel weary, whenever you feel like quitting, like fainting, like you've had it, 
It is at that point that your harvest is at hand. And if you don't quit, if you don't get weary, if you don't faint, you will reap your harvest. But it's always at the time of harvest that we all get weary. I've been in places, I've been in situations in my life that I've prayed all kinds of prayers and nothing seems to move. And I come to the place of the prayer of surrender and I say, Lord, I look to you. I look to you about this situation. And I say, Lord, the outcome of my circumstances is in your hands. Is in your hands, Lord, as I look to you. There come times and moments like that where you got to gather the courage and stand before Elohim and say, my eyes is on you and I look to you. Because you try everything. Somebody said, Papa, all my resources is, is depleted. I have tied and given and done everything, made investment. There is no return coming in. And I don't know. I don't know when and how I can keep moving on like this. And I said, you know what? You are in a good place. And he said, how can you tell me I'm in a good place in such a difficult situation? And I said, whenever you come to a place in your life and in your work with God, where everything is exhausted and there is no other way and you don't know where the next meals come from when it looks like every door is shut and there's no way out you're in a good place because at that time strength is exhausted all the things you know to do doesn't work it has it is at that moment that you have no other choice but to lean on the everlasting arm and to look up and say my eyes are on you I look to you Lord the circumstances and the outcome of my life is in your hands that is when God comes through for you and I you know when Lazarus passed there was this superstition in Israel that when one dies after three days there's a possibility of coming back again and so the first, second, and third day, Jesus didn't show up. He held back. He didn't show up. It was on the fourth day when all hope and expectation was exhausted. When all human expectations and belief and superstition was exhausted, then Jesus showed up. He came on the scene when all hope was gone. And he stood at the tomb of Lazarus and one of the sisters of Lazarus said, Master, Master, you should have been here four days ago. It's too late. And Jesus said, you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know what you're talking about. Make no mistake. I am the resurrection and I am the life. And Jesus said, your brother is coming out of the grave. And she said, I know he will rise again in the last day. And Jesus said, you still don't get it. She, he's coming out right now. Because now everybody will know that but God, but God, that this is God and no one takes credit of what God does. No one can confuse God's works and wonders or take credit for it. When the three Hebrew young men were facing 
the situation with the fire. The fourth man could have appeared to prevent it. He didn't. He waited. When they were in the mix of the fire, when all hope was gone, and it was concluded that the verdict has been passed, and that there was no way out for them, then the fourth man appeared. He appeared in the mix of the fire, and the fire had no power over them. And the book of Nezas for himself realized that this had to be God. He said, didn't we cast three men into the fire? Who is that fourth man like the son of God? That was the first time an unbeliever saw a vision of the son of the living God. Somebody put your hands together and shout yes. He showed up in the mix of the fire. When Daniel was cast into the dens of lions, he could have prevented it. He's God all by himself. He could have stopped it, but he didn't, ladies and gentlemen. He waited. When Daniel stepped into the dens of lions and he was faced by hungry lions. Then the angel of the Lord shut their mouth and said, Daniel is not for your breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Those who conspired against him and were responsible for this situation, they are your lunch and your dinner, not Daniel. May I declare that those who conspire against you, those who are devising your demise and your hurt, they will fall into the very trap they've set for you. They will fall into the very pit they have dug for you. Into that very net they shall fall. That is the word of the Lord. If you believe it, put your hands together. Shout yes. It's just a matter of time. Make no mistake. It's just a matter of time. You might think you are getting away with it. You might think you are winning. But it's a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Say yes. Come with me to Galatians 6, 9. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. That is the trick of the adversary. To get you weary. To get you to faint. And when I hear people say, I'm tired. Can't take it anymore. This is it for me. I have nothing else to give. Nothing else to offer. I've given everything I have. And I don't know what else to give and what else to do. This is it for me. It is at that point and moment, if I may submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that is your point of breakthrough. Because by the time you get to the time of harvest, you are tired, you are weary, you are fatigued. You can't take it anymore. Because you've used all your energy and everything you have to come to the place of harvest. And it's at the point of harvest that we all get weary. And yet the Bible says if you faint not, if you don't quit, if you don't get weary, if you don't give in to the demands of the enemy, you shall reap. You shall reap. The only thing that stops us from reaping is when we faint. It's when we get weary. When we get weary, we lack the strength 
We lack the energy or the ability to reap. And then the harvest goes to another. But I pray that your harvest will not go to a stranger. The Bible says, my people shall plant and they shall harvest. They will build houses and inhabit them. You will not build for another, nor plant for another. If you believe it, put your hands together. Shout yes. But ladies and gentlemen, the strategy of the adversary of you, of us all, is to get us weary at the time and moment of breakthrough. Whenever you feel like quitting, whenever you feel like you're tired, can't pray anymore. Don't want to pray. Don't want to fast. I don't want to go to church. I don't feel like giving. Hear me. It's not about feelings. It's not about feelings or what you see. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Serving God has nothing to do with feelings. There are times when I don't feel right and I don't feel good about everything. And yet, I was in a very good place at that moment. Feelings have nothing to do with our service and relationship with God. See, I hear you. Come with me to Ephesians 4, 9. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower the parts of first, the earth? First, 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 right. Into the lower parts of the earth. He descended first to the lowest part of the earth before he ascended. Whenever you feel low, whenever you are mentally and emotionally low, when you feel like you are in the valley, please hear me. At that time, you are at the foot of the mountain. You can never climb a hill or a mountain till you get to the valley, which is the foot of the mountain. And at the feet of the mountain, which is the valley, it's not a place to sit and to quit. It's a place to invoke, to deploy the strength of Almighty God to climb. Whenever you find yourself in the valley, it is the time to climb. You can't climb a mountain without going through the valley. You can't get to the top of the mountain if you don't go to the feet of the mountain. And you don't belong to the feet of the mountain. You belong to the top of the mountain. So climb. Tell somebody, climb, climb. Climb this mountain. You belong to the top. But the enemy will tell you, you are in the valley. This is it. Tell the woman after nine months that you don't have strength to deliver. You can't push. And there have been women who at the point of delivery could not push. And they lost the baby. At that point, they lost the child. But I declare that you've come too far to lose this battle. You've prayed for too long. You've fasted for too long. You have sown and given for too long. You can't lose this battle. You are not a loser, but a winner. Somebody say, I am not a loser. I am a winner. Somebody say, I can't lose. I can't lose. I can't lose. I've come too far to lose. Come too far. Too many eyes are on you. You can't quit. Say, I hear you. But realize that he that ascended above all the heavens, he ascended above thrones and dominions and ascended above principalities and powers. 
He that ascended first descended. Say to the lowest. Oh, talk to me. Say to the lowest. Say to the lowest. Whenever I've been low, whenever I felt alone, alone and lonely, ladies and gentlemen, it was a time of testing. Just after that, the next event of my life was elevation and lifting up. May I announce to somebody, I don't know where you are, but if you are so low today and you, don't, you can't shake it off and no amount of encouragement lifts you up, may I announce to you that the next event of your life is elevation. The next event is the top of the mountain. That is where you belong. Your miracle is not in the valley. Your miracle is waiting for you on top of the mountain. All you got to do is to push a little and you will realize that it is not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit. Shout the Lord. Somebody shout yes. Shout yes. Hear me. The strength of God does not come till you come to the end of yourself. It is when all your strength is gone. It's when melody is gone and nothing seems to be working that God steps into the equation and he takes over. As long as you still have something to hold on to, he ain't coming. He only comes when everything is exhausted and there is no way out. And you stand and say, Lord, everything is exhausted. There is nothing else to hold on to. That is where he shows up so you will know that you know that you know that you know that this is but God and give him the glory. Put your hands together. Shout yes. Jesus, before he ascended, he first, say first. Come on, talk to me. Say first, first, first. Hear me? If the son of God himself had to descend first and go that low before going up, who do you think you are? You. Who do you think you are? If the son of God has to go that low to climb that high, ah, let the veil be lifted of you. Hear me. Depths begets high. How high you climb has everything to do with how low you went. I'm telling you check history. From the days of the Bible till now, look at the Nelson Mandela's of South Africa. 27 years in prison. One time, he, after he became president, he said to his security to take him to a restaurant to eat. And you know security, they don't take chances. They don't take chances and they don't trust anybody. They don't even trust your wife or your children. That's their job. That's the way they are made. They suspect everybody. So the security said, Mr. President, we have to go and check the place out first. He said, just take me there. I'm president. So sometimes leaders can be overbearing. So they followed him. They went to the restaurant. For whatever reason, 
as they sat there ordering his meal, he saw this Caucasian man sitting over there and he recognized the man and he said to his security, invite that man to join our table. And they said, Mr. President, you can't do that. And he said, just do it. So the man came, sat with them eating. He was very nervous. His hands were shaking. His knees were shaking throughout. After the meals, Nessie Mandela said, have a good day, sir. And they walked off. When they went outside, he said to his security, why do you think the man was so nervous, shaking? And they said, because you are president. He said, no. He said when he was in prison, anytime he was beaten and he cried for water, the man would stand on a chair and pee over his head and tell him to drink it. So when he saw him and he realized that Mediba has recognized him, he knew he was in trouble because he thought Mediba was like him, but he was a different kind of an animal. And you know, something Mediba said that was so true, he said, as I stand in the door to my freedom, he said, I realize that if I don't leave behind me my bitterness and my unforgiveness, I will walk through this door to freedom and will still be in prison. And he decided not to let his past determine the choices he made for his future. And ladies and gentlemen, he was so low in prison that someone had to pee on him for water. And yet, when he came out of prison, he became one of the best presidents of all time in the continent of Africa. He was that low and yet rose so high. May I prophesy to somebody that you are about to rise so high. But it has to do with how low you've been because it is how low you go that determines how high you climb. Put your hands together and give him praise. Psalm 23 and verse 4 and verse 5. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I walk what? Through. Tell somebody, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Keep moving. Keep pushing. Like a woman in travail at the ninth man. If you don't push, you lose the baby. If you faint, you will lose the harvest. You can't faint. You've come too far. The investment is too far. The prayer, the fasting, the living for God is too much. You've made too many sacrifices over the years. You have avoided some things. Deny yourself of pleasures and certain things you could have had. Could have been like everyone else. But you chose to take a stand for God like the three Hebrew young men. Not to be defiled. Took a stand for God. You've come too far. This is not the time to quit. Hear me. I have seen so many people, including myself, at the point of breakthrough giving up. Yeah. Go ahead. Yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. 
thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me. You see, it's the next thing. After the valley, the next event is a banqueting table. You didn't get it. Some of you is going to take you some time to get it. Those of you online, you, you didn't get it. Because if you, if you got it, you will do better than you are doing right now. I said the next event of your life is a banqueting table. If you believe it, say yes. Say yes. Say yes. next event after the valley is a banqueting table. And you know the thing, when you get to the banqueting table, stop looking at the enemies. Look at, look at the provision on the table. Yeah. Because what matters at the banqueting table is not the enemies, is what is on the table. My cup runneth over is at the banqueting table. Thou anoints my head with oil is at the banqueting table. There is oil. There is more than enough on the table. Ignore the enemies. Look at what is on the table. Come on, say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Eat the food. Enjoy the provision whilst your enemies are observing. Come on, put your hands together. They will know. They will know. They will know that Jesus is my Savior. They will know. At the banqueting table. When you are eating and they can't eat. When you are enjoying and they can't enjoy. When you are celebrating and they can't celebrate. Then they will know that Jesus is your savior. Because at that point, they will realize that the conspiracy didn't work. The applause didn't work. The attack didn't work. The sacrifices they did didn't work. Their scheming did not work. The manipulation didn't work. Their claims didn't work. The trap didn't work. The pit, the net, that nothing they did work. They'll be sitting there. They are nervous. They are confused. They are in awe. They can't believe that it is you. Enjoy. On the banqueting table, the next event of your life is a banquet is elevation because you've been that low the next event is elevation do you know where they put joseph joseph was in the pit from the pit to slavery it was getting worse and worse and worse then in potiphar's house then in prison from prison to the palace are you hearing me somebody 
your future is better than your presence. I said your future is better than your present. It's just a matter of time. You know, you know what your you know what your problem is. Let me tell you what all of our problem is. Because we can't see the outcome of our circumstances. It's difficult to believe that things will change. But hear me. Winter just ended in America and in Europe. Winter is gone. That season has ended. There is no season that doesn't end. Every season has a beginning and an end. Even tsunami, tsunami has an end. This storm you are facing, this storm and battles with your children, your finances, your health, I declare by the word of the Lord that it is coming to an end. That a season has ended in your life, a season of change in your life. If you believe it, shout yes. Shout yes. Shout yes. Put your hands together and give him praise. Somebody said, how do you know? I've been there several times. Hear me. The days you see me preach like crazy and you feel so blessed and you live here going home blessed. Those were days I didn't want to preach. Those were days that I was so low about something that I didn't want to preach. And I have to literally drag myself to the pulpit. Sometimes I stand here and I feel like dizzy. I feel like I'm feeling dizzy. Then the enemy will say, you, you, you are going to fall. You are going to fall beyond all the people. So stop all this nonsense. Sit down. Let Obodai preach. And I say, if I fall, I fall before the Lord and my people. What's your problem? And then I push my body a little bit long. I push myself. Then I feel the Holy Ghost kicking in. Come on, somebody. Shout yes. Shout yes. Somebody say the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. Put your hands together. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. all kinds of things into my ears he tells me all kinds of things I know the voice of the enemy but you know what I refuse I refuse to give in I refuse I told Bishop Yako some time ago I said I said if I ever fall if anything ever happened to me don't give up command me I'll come back because it's not yet my time it's not yet my time it's not yet my time because I, I have to be here for a long time to see the manifestation of the word of the Lord and because he's faithful he shall come to pass say yes say yes say yes lift up your hand pray in the Holy Ghost 
ikosunda kati yanda makinda lubayan ketunda kasai walahan kutindi bais efaluku san ketula wa kayanda amasukumbu san amen please be seated remember the son of god first descended to the lowest part of the earth before he ascended see i hear you come on say i hear you come with me to second samuel 17:1 and 2 moreover ahithophel said unto absalom let me now choose out 12000 men do you know who ahithophel was or is that is solomon's grandfather solomon's grandfather the guy was deep and he was heavier than solomon He had the counsel of the Lord, not the wisdom of the Lord, the counsel of the Lord. He was no joke. He gave you God's mind about a situation. It's different from wisdom, the counsel of the Lord. If you went to Ahitophel and said, "Mr. Ahitophel, I have three men following me. Number 1 is Peter, number 2 is John, number 3 is James. Which one should I marry?" He will tell you go for James and if you if you met Jesus and you 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 ask Jesus the same thing he will tell you exactly what Ahithophel tells you he had the counsel of the Lord the bible calls it the good counsel of Ahithophel the guy was no joke he was so deep that nobody could play with that guy whatever he tell he said to David was ditto and when David heard that Ahithophel had joined with Absalom his son to betray him He said, "Father, I have transgressed, but I have only this one request. I have only one bullet. When I fire, the destiny of Israel is finished." He said, "Father, let the good counsel of Ahithophel be turned into foolishness." That was the only prayer he could pray, even when he transgressed and God granted it, because God knew that if he didn't answer that prayer, when david had transgressed that the destiny of israel would have been finished and on that note by divine authority calling upon heaven and earth and the elements to witness this declaration concerning the destiny of ghana and concerning the outcome of 2024 election make no mistake god will have the last word i know that there are a lot of schemes going on sacrifices and men are doing all kinds of things for power but make no mistakes the democracy of the country and the nation of Ghana shall not be compromised our security shall not be compromised by anyone and by any error or mistake made by any politician in the name of Jesus god has the last word about who will be sworn in 2025 You can see there and look at me but it's I come to pass. Let me choose out 1000 men. Uh-huh. And I will then pursue after this night. Uh-huh. And I will come upon him while he is weary. Underline the word. Look at it. Look at the word. While he faints. While he's weary and uh-huh. weak-handed. So whenever you are weary, you are weak. 
weariness make you weak-handed? Then look at the next thing. And I will make him afraid. Mm -hmm. And all the people that are with him shall flee. Mm -hmm. And I will strike the king only. Look at it. He said, I need 12,000 men to capture David. 12,000 for David alone. Then he said, even with 12,000 men, I can only come on him when he's weary and weak-handed. So the time the enemy engages us is when we are weary. Because when we are weary, we are weak-handed. We can't hold the sword. We can't hold up anything. Weak-handed. Then he said, weary, weak-handed. There's one more thing I must do. I must threaten him. Somebody say threatenings. Talk to me, say threatenings. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what threatenings are. I've been there. Many years ago, I faced a situation in this country. When I was under investigation for many years, I was a young preacher, and I used to use the pulpit to attack all kinds of people. And it was an error. And I came under heavy investigation. And the people who used to applaud me for insulting and attacking people in power, everyone forsook me. And some of them even left the church. So I tell young preachers, I said, until you become an institution and a force to reckon with, be very careful. Don't use the pulpit to attack people. And one day we were praying on a Tuesday, myself and Bishop Nyako, we were praying in Laboni, in the house. And the word of the Lord came and said, 8.30 tomorrow, 8.30 p.m., they will come for you for assassination. It's okay. Yeah, the three of us. Yeah. And that very day, somebody walked to me through Tyson and said he wanted to see me. And I said, bring him in. And he said, I'm among three people who have been assigned to pick you up for assassination tonight at 8.30. And I said, I know. He said, but I can't do it. I fear God. And I said, don't worry, you come at 8.30. So 8.30, they came. And they said, we have instruction to pick you up. And I said, who gave the instructions? They said, we can't tell you. You must come with us. And I said, in the name of Jesus, whose I am and whom I serve, I resist this arrest. I am not coming with you today or tomorrow. And I'm not dying today or tomorrow. And I will outlive all of you. Hear me, 8.30 they came. Then the guy said, excuse me, he went on the Motorola. He spoke to, so I don't know who he spoke to. He came back and said, okay, report tomorrow at the annex without fail. So I said, okay, I'll be there. That night, I called Bishop and a few of the team, we went into prayer. And that is why, that is why we have to protect the genuine prophetic. And that's why there is a counterfeit of the prophetic where people are using the prophetic gift to manipulate people, put fear in people, take advantage, exploit people. God will judge that. He will judge that. But the true prophetic is very powerful. And when I said that, they said I should come 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. I said, okay. Once we're praying that night, at East Lagos, the word of the Lord came and said, when you go tomorrow morning, before the panel begin to engage you and interrogate you, ask them to pray. So I said, can I pray? 
And they said yes. When I began praying, the inspiration came upon me. And I heard myself reciting Psalm 109. And I heard myself saying, set Satan on their right hand that sit in judgment over me. And when they are brought before the courts and the judge, let them be guilty even if they are innocent. Let their names be taken out of the book of life. Let their wives be widows and their children fatherless. Let them go into a strange and a desolate land. When I finish, the man said, this is not fair. We are just doing our job. And I said, sir, I am also just doing my job. They asked me to go sit outside. I was there with Bishop Ben for over three hours. And they told me, go, we'll call you when we need you. Do you know, those three men, two are dead. The one that came to tell me that I can't do this. He's still alive and he's in our church here. He's an old man now. Hear me. I declare by divine authority that whoever has intended evil for you and your children, it shall turn on them in the name of Jesus. Whatever they want for you shall come on them and their house and their children. In the name of Jesus, say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Sit down for two minutes. But realize the most wisest man that ever lived by the name of Ahitophel. He said that I can only attack David when he's weary. So the enemy only comes at us when we are weary. Because he knows at the place of weariness we are weak handed. And when he comes at us at the time of weariness the only thing he does is to threaten us. Somebody say threatenings. Today we rebuke threatenings. Any form of threatenings, let it be intercepted in the name of Jesus. I declare whatever you are so afraid of, your greatest fear, let God disappoint it in the name of Jesus. Everybody has something they are afraid of. And any information, evidence, truth or facts of anything you've done that the enemy is holding as a case and as evidence against you in the court of law or in the courts of heaven, nor in the courts of the enemy. Let that information, let that evidence in the name of Jesus, be dismissed. Let it not be registered in the court of law. Whether in the court of law, in heaven, on earth, nor under the earth, we dismiss that proof. We dismiss that case. We dismiss that charge. We dismiss that evidence. In the name of Jesus. Come with me to Hosea chapter 7 verse 1. Everybody has something you are ashamed of, embarrassed of, that you never wanted to come out. And what the enemy does, when he threatens you, it's about bringing up something 
to literally undermine your image. Yeah. To disadvantage you, to shame you, to dishonor you. Look at it. When I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered. You see, at the time where setting discoveries comes out, is at the point of your breakthrough. Look at people in politics when they are running the race. They go and dig debt about them to bring it up as a means to disqualify them. I declare that your past will not disqualify you. I declare whatever you did wrong shall not disqualify you. Because on the account of the blood of Jesus, receive divine exemption. In the name of Jesus, say yes. I will threaten him. I will bring up his past. I will bring up something to make him afraid. Then he said, he will be isolated. Because if you look at the next verse, he said, and all his mighty men will flee from him. They will all leave him. He will be left alone, Second Samuel 17, 1 and 2. They will all leave him. He will be left on his own. And then he said, with the 12,000 men, I will strike him. But if he's not weary, I can't strike him. And if he's not weary, he's not weak-handed. I can't touch him. If he's not weary and weak-handed, I cannot threaten him. May nothing threaten you from today. May nothing threaten the security of Ghana. May nothing threaten the destiny of this country. May nothing threaten the democracy of this country. In the name of Jesus, let nothing endanger your life, nor the life of your family or this house under any circumstances by divine authority. In the name of Jesus, if you believe it, put your hands together. Shout yes. Shout yes. Shout yes. Put your hands together. The battle of weariness. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25 to 27. The battle of weariness. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Shall do what? Wear out the saints. Of shall the what? Wear out. It's weariness. Words. You hear all kinds of things to weary you. Somebody was talking to me yesterday, telling me about the challenges in the country as if I don't live here. Telling me all the sufferings as if I don't know. And Papa, you have voice. You have to speak out. You have to say something. God. And I said, you too say something. Why are you not saying something? Yeah. I'm the one that has a big mouth. So I should say something. You know, many years ago, there was a preacher in this country. He was very powerful, a young man. He used to come and buy my tape and preach my messages. Very powerful young man. He had a lot of following. And he used to attack the then government a lot. And I tried to talk to him because when I used to do that thing and I got into trouble, nobody stood with me. And the Lord said, I did not mandate you and call you to do what you did. You were foolish about what you did. What was going on was wrong. But the way you went about it was also wrong. 
My pulpit is not to insult people in authority. You didn't handle it well. So I learned the hard way. And I used to talk to him, but there was these people pushing him. Wow, bing. Would you know, announce? We are bam. And he kept on going. Then one day, somebody in authority in those days, I won't mention his name, of blessed memory. And he called me and said, listen, if you know this young man, talk to him because he's about to be taken out. And I tried everything to reach him. I couldn't get him because the people around him were shielding and protecting him from me for whatever reason. Sometimes when some of these young guys come into wealth and money and influence, they, they, won't listen to, they won't listen to elders. They feel like they know everything. So I couldn't reach him. Next thing I heard, he was involved in a bad accident and he died. And the guy called me and said, I told you. And I knew exactly what happened, but I couldn't say anything because he wasn't wise. There's a way to go about things. The word of the Lord is clear about protocols and patterns in Old Testament and New Testament dispensation. And you got to go. You see, God is not under obligation to protect you when you cross a certain line. I'm telling you. As long as you are within the boundaries. You know, many years ago, there was a guy in this country, very powerful, very powerful. And he had a girlfriend who got born again and was coming to this church. And he invited a girl to come and the girl won't go. Then she, she acted very foolishly. She said to the guy that, you know, they used to call me Brother Nick at that time. I wasn't yet ordained to those ranks that I'm in today. I wasn't ordained. I didn't declare myself to be anything. It was conferred on me by elders and those above me. But let me move on this way. So he told the guy, he said, Brother Nick said, I can't have an affair with you. I can't have anything to do with you. I never said that. I just told her what the Bible said. And instead of her to say the Bible said, so the guy will go and fight God, he said, Brother Nick said. So the guy sent me a message and said, you, I will show you where power lies. And he did so many things to trouble me. A lot of things. And one day, I felt the inspiration of God. And I prayed a prayer. And I said, Lord, this man, why should he leave? What is his value, usefulness to you, to your agenda, and to humanity? Why should he enjoy all this power to afflict the innocent? Why should he leave? What is his usefulness and value to your agenda for humanity and this country? I was going to London. He was in a plane with me. When I was coming back, he was in a casket. I didn't ask God to kill him. I didn't pray that prayer. I didn't say kill him. I just said, what is his usefulness? I pleaded my case. Yeah. Psalm 43, Isaiah 43, I think verse 25. He said, come and let's plead together. Plead. I had to plead my case before the throne. Then one of our brothers, Kofi, he was in the first service. I was in my office. He came to see me and he said, there is this political appointed guy in my office. He has set his eyes on me. He wants my office. He wants my job. And the guy had the audacity to tell him, I'm taking your office from you. So he came to see me. And I took anointing oil and I prayed over him. And I said, because he threatened you, 
because they threaten you and your offices and your position, let another take his place. I went to America. I was there very early in the morning and my phone rang. And it was him. Thank you. It was him. And I said, Kofi, what is this? What's going on? Excuse me. Water is good. Thank God for water. Put your hands together. Thank God for water. He said, Papa, you won't believe this. I said, what happened? He said, you see the guy that was threatening me? I was in my office with some friends and we had a shout and we ran to find out what was going on. When they got to his office, he was on the floor. By the time they rushed him to the hospital, he was dead. I don't pray for people to die. I just pray simple prayers. And God decides to answer the prayers. If he answers it, then it was a good one. If he doesn't, then it was a bad one. But at least I'll pray. But what I'm saying here is, watch this. People should be very careful in this life. Especially when you have power or money or influence or position. Be careful how you treat others. I'm telling you. Because it's not everybody you touch and you go free. I'm telling you. You touch some people and go free. And others you touch them. And the things that will happen to you and your family. You regret touching them. So be careful. I know you are very powerful. But if you have forgotten. Study history. Check read and look at the pharaohs of Egypt and the empires of Rome and look at Europe men who were so powerful and they were feared and they destroyed lives with impunity like the Hitler's Hitler of Germany look at the Saddams and the Gaddafis Hear me. Man has lived and passed. Alexander the Great, the Napoleons, people have come and they've gone. You will come, you have come and you also go. But whether history will remember you for good or evil and how you will be defined by history has everything to do with how you are handling people today with the position, money and influence you have. Be careful. We know you are blessed by that word of God and look forward to you joining the messages of the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams again. For more information on our events, books and messages, please visit NDW Ministries online at www.ndwministries.org or call our offices on plus one eight seven seven three six one five one one one. Once again, thank you for joining the Archbishop today, and may you continue to experience the life transforming power of God's blessings. <laughs>